Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Boston Loose Baseball episode 89 is a year in review of sorts. We are giving out report cards. We'll see which of us is the professor that you want. Who gives the easier grades or the easier class? We're going to base everything on our preseason expectations for players and give out letter grades on everyone who played for the team this season and on the coaching staff and the front office. So it's a year in review, a lot of report cards to give out. Let's get started right now on Bustin' Loose Baseball. Bustin' Loose Baseball, hosted by Grant Paulson and Toby Altizer, gives you in-depth analytics and interviews on everything baseball in the nation's capital. Now, here's your host. Grant Paulson and Toby Altizer. This is episode 89 of Bustin' Loose Baseball. Time to hand out some report cards. I'm Grant Paulson, joined as always by my pal Toby Altizer. Toby, what's up? crazy the season's already done for the nationals it's fun to watch some postseason baseball but it's just you're missing something when your team's not in it so hopefully they can be back in it soon and we can be living and dying on every single pitch like all the other fans are at this yeah point. i'm thinking about that as i'm watching these games bro and you, you see the energy in the ballpark other than you know at the trop in tampa to start the <laughs> uh, wild card round i guess where nobody showed up but you know it's 40 plus thousand and people are going nuts and two strikes everyone's on their feet it's just a great reminder of how fun 2019 was. I was walking in the Navy Yard near the ballpark right outside of Centerfield Gate uh, today. And, you know, with that kind of chilly, almost like autumn air, it just it felt like a playoff kind of vibe. And I'm like, man, wouldn't it be amazing if I was headed over to this ballpark today for a playoff game? So I long for those days. Hopefully they're not too far away. Uh, ideally, I mean, realistically, probably two Octobers from now, two years from now. You know, the Nationals could be back in the playoffs as a, as a realistic and also you know optimistic expectation. But, uh, man, do I miss it? It's, it's been longer than it feels like, right? I mean, we, we're 2019 four years ago now. It's not like it's only been a year or two. Yeah, I mean, it just still feels like it was yesterday, but it, it has been a little bit of time now. But we talked about this when it was 106.7, the fan night. It was a little bit of a chill in the air walking over to the ballpark. And you'd mentioned it felt like October baseball once again. Yeah. And then it just wasn't the same because you just don't have the fully sold out crowd and the rally towels and all that. So hopefully, hopefully soon Nationals Park can be packed again because there's nothing like it. There's nothing like postseason baseball. All right, so we're giving out report cards. I think we can kind of start front office coaching staff and work our way down. We'll go hitters and pitchers and kind of break this into three categories. But uh, we should begin at the top with President Mike Rizzo. Uh, obviously, the team finished in last place in the division, 20 games under 571 and 91. So if you want to do a Ricky Bobby bit, your first or your last, or just look at the, the results, you, know, you can grade him accordingly, however anybody wants to. For me, I think what we should do, though, is based on our expectations going into the year for every single person. And, and in the case of Rizzo, I, I did not think necessarily that the team would be 71 and 91. 
He struck gold with Candelario in a way that hasn't happened in a while. Even the Trevor Williams edition, I would say, worked out about as well as they would have wanted in terms of him eating innings and throwing every five days and staying healthy and serving a purpose. Uh, he was not given money to spend really at all at the major league level. You can make the case that you know, the Dominic Smith, Smith move didn't work out that well if you thought he was going to hit for more power. Uh, he had 11 home runs last year and 12 this year. I didn't. I kind of think that's who Dominic Smith has always been, was a defensive-minded first baseman. That's what he was when he was drafted in the first round. So because of you know the fact that the team was a lot better, they made major strides at the major league level, and the system completely uh, grew by leaps and bounds. You know, post-Soto deal, you know, the, the haul they got back with a Gore and Abrams at the major league level, and specifically James Wood in the minor leagues. Um, the, the the continuation of the turning around of the, of the the minor league system with a lot of the other trades they've made and the contributions they got from guys that they acquired via deal recently, like Lane Thomas and Riley Adams, and we could go on and on. I give Rizzo a, a B for this season, right? I mean, you know, there are certainly things that could have been better that they they uh, could have gotten more out of uh, some of the guys they brought in in the off season, or maybe I would have traded one or two more guys at the deadline. You know, it's hard to give an A when your team is 20 under 500, but I think this was an above average, very successful, solid year for him, and it's why he got an extension. So I'll go B. What do you got? Yeah, I think a B is about the right because, you know, with Dominic Smith, maybe he didn't reach the expectations, but he was solid defensively. Jamer Candelario, I think, is obviously something that he can hang his hat on, bringing a guy in like that that you didn't have super high expectations for and some publications even listed him as the Nationals MVP for the season, and he was traded at the deadline. So that's a credit to how well he played in the 99 games he was with the Curly W's. So that's a credit to Rizzo and making that move. But you also have to remember Corey Dickerson was a move, I think, trying the same sort of thing, maybe an older veteran bat that could show something you could trade, and ultimately that didn't work out. But I'll give him a B because you know there were limitations, and I think if you look through the roster – there was a clear plan, there was a clear vision, and they stuck with it. You know, Cabert Ruiz played 136 games. Luis Garcia got 122. C.J. Abrams, 151. Lane Thomas, 156. Joey Manessis, 154. The guys that look like they'll be a part of this organization for at least the next couple of seasons and possibly the long haul, they played almost every single day, and that was the plan. Corey Dickerson was a guy that was taking at-bats away from Stone Garrett, and when they realized they wouldn't be able to deal him at the deadline, they said, adios, we're going to give Stone Garrett every day at bats. And he would have been much higher than his 89 games played if he wouldn't have gotten hurt, you know, going into the last month of the season. So I think they had a clear vision. They stuck with it. So it's a credit to that. Maybe some of the moves you could critique. But I think overall, when you look at, like you said, the expectations, how handcuffed he was in the offseason, not being able to spend as much as he'd probably like. I think overall this has been a good season, and then you throw in what happened in the minor league system, and I wouldn't be miffed if someone gave him an A just by how much the minor league system leaped and bounded, like you said. Yeah, if I had to go one direction or the other, I would go A over C. You know what I'm saying? Like 100%. It was, it was a, when I was in high school, we're slightly different in age. You're about 10 years or so behind me, but it was 94 to 100 was an A. Like, what was, what was an A yeah, for Yeah, 94. You 94 okay. to 100. So some somebody some people do like the 91 to 100 and or 90, you know, they do it by tens. But I guess my point in saying that is like I give him a B and it was probably like a 92, not an 87. You know what I'm saying? Like he was closer to an A. I think the way the system turned around, I've been adamant all season. I think, uh, look, 
everybody wants to always talk about, and it's on the table and it's fair. The the, the ten thousand foot view of the draft has been abysmal for a long time. The the development has been bad for a long time, and that's all part of the resume, just like the great trades and some of the other things that he's done and the World Series championship and the Scherzer contract and, and a lot of the things Rizzo's done really well. If we're looking at just this year, though, just specifically this season, you look at the early returns on this draft class from guys like Pinckney and Morales and Dylan Cruz. You look at the, the progression of the system that you just kind of outlined with a lot of these trades, including what hers did after they brought him over for Candelario. Uh, where the system is now compared to a calendar year ago. Uh, just this baseball season, I, I think you're really hard-pressed to not feel really good about uh, the job that Rizzo did. So yeah, yeah, high marks from me. That's why, you know, and I don't love giving credit to guys for drafting people that are obvious, that me and you could have drafted. Like Dylan Cruz, that's a credit to Rizzo for getting that. But at the same point, me and you would have made that pick. It's the sure. guys like the Pinkneys. It's the guys like the Yo-Yo Morales. We'll see with Sakura. It's the Dalen Lyles, the Trey Lipscombs that are taking big steps forward. That's where I think general managers, front offices, player development guys can really flex their muscles. And for the Nationals to have those guys this season, Jacob Youngs of the world, you know, those guys, Jake Irvins, those kinds of guys stepping up and playing well, I think that's where you see it most. You know, the C.J. Abrams, James Wood deal, obviously, with Juan Soto, that's kind of last season. But James Wood was a top prospect. C.J. Abrams was a top prospect. Mackenzie Gore was a top prospect. Credit to him for getting those guys. But, you know, I'm not going to say, like, we would have wanted those guys in a deal as well. I like when you see the guys that are under the radar that we wouldn't know about that they had to go digging for and they found and they've developed. That's where I think you really see it. And we've seen that this year for the nationals. And that's why I would give him a high grade. How about Lane Thomas who had not mm -hmm. been able to hit at the big league level at all. And they flip, you know, John Lester for, right. I mean, th those types of trades, I think you're right to your point. Um, th those are the most impressive and, and the more impressive of them. Um, so Rizzo high marks here. Uh, how about next in line? We go Davey Martinez. I feel like you got to give him an A. Now, I, I don't think with the record, maybe you could argue that he shouldn't get an A, but I think with the ball club that he was given compared to expectations of last season, I mean, they jumped up, what was it, 15 games from last year? And I think you saw improvement all throughout the ball club. Obviously, the young guys stepped up, but just better baseball overall. Defensively, they were better, having better plate discipline at the plate, putting together better at-bats, just being more consistent on a day-to-day -day basis. I think you got to give Davey an A. Now, if you want to get into his managerial decisions, in-game decisions, I think you can question some of those things still. That's something that I'm still not a huge fan of his for, but this year there were times when I was like, all right, he could have chosen this reliever or that reliever. It would have been the same result. It's not that big of a deal. So I think this season was more so about the clubhouse culture and developing winning habits. And I think he did a good job of that this year. So I'll give him an A. I'm going to go B and I'm just kind of riding with, and I, I hate the argument that I'm about to make, but it's just hard for me to give A's with the season that was had, if that makes sense. Now we are basing this on our expectations, right? My expectations were that they would be about, I don't know, 10, seven, eight games worse than they were. So they exceeded my expectations. So I'm going above average with my grade. There's still a lot of quirky little things I don't really understand in terms of bullpen usage and times where guys throw three days in a row or four out of five. And I think he sometimes can burn out some arms. And it's easier said than done, sitting at home, managing as a fat guy on my couch now. B 
because there's so many rules with all these relievers. And I don't mean literally rules as much as the figurative, like don't throw this guy two days in a row, but this guy can only face this number of people and this many times through the order. So I get that it's gotten difficult, but I, I think he did a good job. I'm giving him a B. I stopped short of an A. I will tell you this was Davey's second best season to 2019, far and away. And really, if you take out the stretch in 2019 when they were 19 and 31 to the World Series, you know, it's mostly been really ugly in terms of win-loss. And this was kind of the best of Martinez. It, it's the ability, as we've talked about on this podcast, to, to get the most out of guys and to kind of have them fight and scratch and claw. And we saw that to the final day of the season with nothing to play for, down several runs. Like, they go out and they win a lopsided uh, score, turn it around, and they win a game where both teams score 10-plus runs, right? I mean... Yeah, up in double digits. Like it was nuts. So I, I think that they like him in that clubhouse. They respect him. They play hard for him, his extension because of all of that. Uh, again, if you're just looking at this season was earned and warranted. Uh, and I think if, if you're someone listening, who's a little skeptical or dubious, you go, wait a second, this team just went 71 and 91. And you guys are giving both of them B grades. Again, th this is not based on a scale of like, you woke up on the day before the season with no context and just watched a baseball season. I think that the realistic and fair way to do this is like, what do you want me to give? I'll give ownership an F. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> you, you got to spend money to win. You, you got to have the resources. They don't have that. The plan this year was not to win. And it, it essentially, it's like you, um, you know, you watch one of these cooking shows uh, where you, you get ingredients and and you have like 10 minutes to make a meal. I'm grading on the curve of, you didn't get all the ingredients and you had like four minutes to put something together and I'm eating a sandwich that tastes OK. Uh, so that having been said, I'll give him a B as well. Uh, let's also real quick hit the staff collectively. So rather than going one by one here in the interest of time, uh, let, let's just do pitching coach, hitting coach. I mean, how do you grade out, a, uh, you know, Tim Bogar as a bench coach or whatever? It's hard to do. But uh, let's go Coles hitting coach and um, Hickey pitching coach. Uh, your thoughts, anything there that stands out from a grade standpoint? Yeah, I don't really know. You know, it's so interesting with the dynamic because whenever a guy gets going, is it the hitting coach? When a guy goes through a slump, is it the hitting coach? Who knows? So, you know, I think overall, I, I'm not going to grade these guys nearly as high because the results weren't always as good. They were guys that had really good stretches, but there were also guys and sometimes those same guys that had really bad stretches. We've seen you know, just even the young guys have really good hitting stretches and then they'll go a month and it's just a slow stretch. So I think they're more so have to be graded on the results as opposed to what Davey is. And that's why I gave him an A. But I think you have to look at these guys with the results. So I'll give them a, probably a C, honestly, because there were stretches where some of the young hitters would go through just some slumps that you would like to see them avoid. At the same point, there were some times when they get them going. And then Hickey, I didn't love the fact that you know, Mackenzie Gore goes on MLB Network and it kind of got blown out of proportion a little bit. But his words are basically like, hey, man, he doesn't bother us with the analytics and stuff. It's like, well, I, I want you to at least throw in some analytics. So I'm not a huge fan of that with the pitching staff, because I think there are some things to be gleaned. I think there's an understanding that maybe you can go overboard with it and, you know, you're not walking out for a mound visit saying, hey, your spin rates down, figure it out. Like just little things and like that. OK, I can understand. But. I would like a little more up-to-date approach. So I'll give them a C overall because I think there is some room for growth and I wasn't thrilled with it. But at the same point, you know, they weren't given the best tools in a lot of situations. Yeah, it, it, I agree with you when you said it's complicated. 
I come into this, I will say, not a big Jim Hickey guy. Um, I'm I I'm a believer in analytics. It seems to me like that's not his bag. Um, maybe I'm judging a book by his cover, but I believe that you know the, the way forward here should be to go to one of the great colleges in the country or to go to like Wake Forest where they've got one of these awesome labs and, and basically pick a you know a pitching scientist and ha- have him be your pitching coach more than some you know longtime lifer pitcher minors or majors who you know but used to throw and is is now you know 20 years in as a pitching coach like that's not who I would be hiring or what I want uh, I'd imagine with some young pitchers like Jake Irvin and Josiah Gray who are analytically minded you may butt heads a little bit I mean, so I come at it and I'm trying not to confirm my priors here. I guess I would go C minus or D plus maybe for Jim Hickey. And my thinking on that would be, did Josiah Gray make a huge leap this year? His ERA is a lot better. But, you know, you look at all of the peripheral numbers and everything that we've talked about underlying, and we'll get into this in more detail when we talk about JoJo. But I, I would say he definitely made strides for sure. But I'm not sure that it was like this massive jump forward that I wanted it to be. Mackenzie Gore, to me, at the beginning of the year and at the end of the year, was kind of the same guy, which is not to say I'm not high on Mackenzie Gore. I love Mackenzie Gore. I think he'd be an awesome number two and you know the top pitcher in this rotation next year. But like from the beginning of the year to the end of the year, was JoJo better? Did he like did, did he make a did he keep building and jump forward? No, he was kind of still tr- he was actually trying to get back to where he was at the start of the year. I mean, Gore, I would say, was kind of similar. He cut down on some of the walks a little bit, but for the most part, you're still looking for some of the same consistency things. With, with young pitchers, and I'm not expecting to make filet mignon at a hamburger helper. You know, a guy like Thaddeus Ward's not going to go out and shove. But, like, of those young guys, how many of them, from the beginning of the season to the end of the season, like, were way different? Or we're way improved. Maybe Irvin is a good example, I guess, of like a guy that really improved. But I don't know. Again, I could just be confirming my priors because Hickey's not really my style. Um, Coles, the hitting coach, I actually find to have done a good job. And I would have said the same thing probably coming in about him, honestly. Like, I want some super analytically minded dude out of a lab who's all about swing path and you know, put, hitting the ball in the air and launch angle and all this stuff. And I don't know if that's Darnell Coles or not, but uh, this is a team that had a 254 team batting average. Batting average doesn't really matter to me at all from a like a statistical player standpoint. Having said that, like it, it's it's hard to judge him for the fact that they don't hit home runs. They don't have guys with power. It's hard to hit, judge him for the guy that they don't walk much. They don't have guys who walk. Um, one thing I would say that you can kind of judge a hitting coach on is, is approach or ability to make contact and put the ball in play. And and I that's why I referenced the batting average being just outside of the top 10 among 30 teams. I think they did some good things. So I give him maybe more credit uh, for the results or, or I guess, uh, you know, I, I enjoyed, I, I grade him better. So I'll give him a C maybe and I'll give Hickey a D plus. Yeah, I mean, I think that's about right. And if you if I had to choose, I wouldn't go as far down on Hickey, but I think it'd be like a C minus and then Cole's a C plus. I, again, I think they have to be judged more on results. And again, it's difficult when you're looking at a team that the roster's not very good. So, you know, maybe we're being a little harsh here, but at the same point, you just want to see clear improvement from guys. And we didn't necessarily see that with some of the pitchers. You know, I think that there's still promise for a lot of the guys, but it's not like you know, you have something that just clicks and you're like, oh, yeah, that was Jim Hickey working on that. Maybe you want to look at JoJo tweaking his 
delivery or his wind up at the end of the year. I don't know, but either way, I don't think it was necessarily the best year, but it wasn't also the worst year for those guys. Totally. And one other thing I'd say about the pitching, right, is, you know, you had three of your young guys in the rotation. Uh, in the case of Gray, a 3-9-1 ERA, his FIP was actually 4-9. Gore at a 4-4, his FIP was 4-8. And Irvin at a 4-6, his FIP was 5-3. But you had three guys with, you know, making a lot of outings who had ERAs in Gray's case sub-4 and the other two guys' case in the 4 sub-5. Um, Gore, I think, is is better than his you know, numbers. And I'm not blaming Hickey for that, but like to me, you didn't get the most out of Mackenzie Gore. Um, I don't know if you got the most out of Josiah Gray, who's fielding independent pitching was almost five. Um, maybe you did with Jake Irvin. I'm not sure. Although his fit was 5.3. So uh, we'll see as we go with, uh, you know, what they decide to do as a staff, but I will also just provide this caveat, right? I think those are the hardest guys to grade. Because so we don't really know, A, what they're doing, how influential they are in terms of what they, their actual roles are. But also, I think it's impossible to know. Like I, I've asked so many players over the years, so many coaches over the years, about the importance of, of hitting and pitching coaches at the major league level. And you get different answers from everybody. Some will say it's pertinent. Some will say, you know, if they weren't there, then it wouldn't change much for veterans. Like, so it, it's just a hard thing to, to grasp. Long gone. That having been said, let's get to the. You want to go hitting or pitching first? Let's start with the hitters. All right, let's go through the hitters. We'll go one by one here. Again, we're comping what we got from what we expected and giving out letter grade report cards. So we'll bang these out based on uh, initially the most starts at each position. So Kbert Ruiz at catcher is age 24 season, 18 homers, 260 average, 717 OPS, which is. You know, just a couple of decimal points below league average offensively. Uh, what do you give an old K bear? I'll give him a B minus because there were some times when we saw him really step up and be probably the best bat in the order. He drives his slugging percentage up from 409 or up to 409 from 360 last year. So that's a clear improvement. 18 homers compared to seven last year. So you started to see some of that growth. But there were stretches where he was still a below average hitter. And I still need to see him work on his plate discipline, be selective on his pitches. You know, he's very elite at putting the bat to the ball. There's no doubt about it. He doesn't strike out a whole lot. He doesn't walk a whole lot either. But if that's going to be your MO and you're going to be very good at putting the bat on the ball, don't swing at pitches out of the zone and give away free outs in that case. And that's something that he did, you know, at points during the season. And, you know, when he was going well, when he'd have some really good stretches, it was because he was very selective at the plate. So I need to see that a little bit more. And the reason also that you have to ding him a little bit defensively, he took a big step back, step back this year, not a huge fan of him behind the plate, Maybe with some of the rule changes coming down the pike in the next couple of years, we'll see if they come down the pike. Because if they do, then it won't be as big of a deal. But as of right now, his framing is bad. He doesn't throw people out, which not many people threw anyone out this year with the rule changes. But still, it wasn't close in a lot of cases. And maybe some of that's the pitcher. But still, I just think overall as a catcher, defensively, I wasn't super impressed. But I did see some growth at the plate. So I give him a B-. minus. Yeah, so I think um, I'm going to div- differentiate for a moment between him as a bat and him as a glove as a bat slugging 409 uh he was top 10 among catchers 
Uh, if you look at the home runs with 18 bombs, he was in the top half of the league in terms of, you know, starting catchers in baseball. Um, having said that, I'm going to give him a B minus for his offensive season. Uh, the fact that he hit 260, by the way, I'm not an average guy. I don't really care that much about that. But like for a catcher, that's pretty good. You know, there's a lot of catchers, you think about it, who are going to be, you know, in the 220, 230 range. So, you know, if you're you're looking at his numbers and you're comping those to like a first baseman or something, all right, whatever. But a 260 catcher is top five at the position. Guys that hit better than that were William Contreras, Adley Rutschman, Elias Diaz, who was an all-star, and Will Smith, who was an all-star. In fact, all four of the guys I just named, I believe, were all-stars. Uh, so he was fifth, you know, in terms of batting average, and his expected batting average was even higher than that. Um, but what I care about most is the power, the run production, 18 home runs. I think there's more there. If he hits four more home runs next year, you know, 22 home runs would have ranked him somewhere like uh, top 10 easily and close to the top five, I think, in, in home runs by a catcher. So he's knocking on the door. Uh, as a defensive player, I think it was an F season, to be completely honest with you. I mean, it, it just the the analytic numbers that I am, have, am privy to, his framing second percentile, his pop time fourth percentile, is caught stealing above average first percentile is blocks above average sixth percentile. Like it was awful in that regard. So, you know, 81st percentile XBA that's overall, that's not just for catchers, uh, 93rd percentile sweet spot percentage, 97th whiff percentage doesn't swing and miss 99th K percentage, literally one of the hardest hitters in baseball to strike out. So, uh, I, I like a lot of things about him at the plate. Um, I'm going to give him, if I'm giving him, you know, a, a B as a hitter and an F, uh, as a defensive player, I guess a C overall, but I, I'm spinning two plates here. Like I, I care more about the bat than the glove, you know, just because I needed him to step forward and hit more power. Now I can kind of focus in on the glove moving forward. And like you said, I'm hoping that some of those things don't matter as much as they uh, go to the electronic strike zone and whatnot. Uh, Dominic Smith at first base. What do we think? Yeah, I mean, he's one that if you want to divvy him up, you can say that defensively you give him a B. Like, I think that he helped out the young guys, and I think he's part of the reason that we saw C.J. Abrams be able to have that turnaround because just think about what ha would happen if C.J. at the beginning of the year would have had five or six more errors on top of what he already had. That might have just gotten his head and kind of demoralized him, and maybe we don't see that breakout. Maybe we don't see him start kind of turning things around because he's maybe in his head a little bit. So I think he deserves some credit for there. And at times, offensively, he would show up, you know, decent average, 254, not much slug like you like you pointed out. Like some people thought he was going to come here and hit 30 home runs. That's never who Dominic Smith was. But at the plate, I mean, he's nothing special. He's like a C minus in that case. So I think overall, I'll give him a C. I think he kind of is what you expected. You brought in a defensive first baseman that occasionally hits for power, but not really that often. Generally, he's just going to be an on-base percentage guy, 326 on base, not a high slug, only 366 there. So I think you kind of got what you expected. So I think you give him a C. Yeah, I think a lot of Nats fans would give him a lower grade than that. You know, he seems on Nat's Twitter to be a punching bag, D or F or something. And to that, I would say I, I you guys were expecting something that they didn't bring in. You know, in other words, like you, you can't buy popcorn and be mad when you bite it and it tastes like popcorn. Dominic Smith is a first baseman who doesn't really hit for power. That's what he's always been. And I kept hearing the argument over and over again. Well, where is his power? Why isn't he hitting home runs? Like, who did you think you signed? He, he hit 11 home runs for the Mets two years ago in 150 games. He hit 12 this year. He hit, 
you know, basically here are his numbers, home runs by season and take last year out of it because he didn't play much. Although he didn't homer in 58 games and in 130 at bats, by the way. But the last four years he's played, you know, at least the, the bulk of the season, 11, 10, 11, and 12 homers. The one year he hit home runs was the pandemic year, 2020. Uh, he had like 10 homers in, in 50 games that year and about 175 at bats. But otherwise, you know, he, he just has not hit for a lot of power. Now, was the power, if you look at home runs per at bat, down some this year? Yeah, a little bit. But he's always been a guy that doesn't hit for power. So I, I don't really get why people expected him to hit home runs. He's never walked, really. Um, I don't know. I, I, I just I was always confounded by like what people thought they were getting. Um, having said that, defensively, he was awesome. I'd give him an A defensively. He's, uh, you know, he, as you said, he saves a lot of errors. He did a lot of good things. He had some spectacular moments. Overall, I guess I would give him a C minus for the season, maybe, um, you know, based on my expectations only. Like if you're telling me first division championship level team, obviously the grade would be worse than that. First baseman who doesn't help you a whole lot on offense. Uh, but that, that, these, this was my expectation. Like, hey, maybe he'll hit 15 home runs. In the meantime, he's going to play good defense and be a veteran in the clubhouse. I think that's kind of what you got. All right, keeping it moving here, uh, going through the Nats bats. Uh, we'll pick up the pace some. Luis Garcia, second base. Yeah, this one's a tough one for me because I think if you just went off the results and didn't go into the context of things that happened during the season, I think the results were fine. A 266 average, you'd like to see a higher on base, but 385 slug, just under 700 OPS. You saw some good things, you know, a six hit game against the Royals. Like you saw some good spots, but I'm going to have to give him like a D or a D plus. And the reason being, you cannot get sent down and the manager come out and say, yeah, or was it Mike Rizzo come out and say, yeah, we needed him to lose some weight. Like, that's not something that's good. So I'm going to have to give him a D, D-plus just because of the fact that basically you're questioning this guy's work ethic at this point when he's been in the majors for a couple of years. And I just cannot have that because, yeah, the results have been okay on the field, but they haven't been anything spectacular that you can say, well, he's a star that's just taking a break. Like, you need to be grinding every single day or someone's going to come take your job. And because of that, I'm going to give him a harsh grade. Give me a – I'll go with a D. So I'm going with an F for Luis Garcia, and you kind of stole my idea right out from under me. It's so simple. It has nothing to do with his production or how he played when we saw him. He has been in the major leagues now for parts of the last four years. I know he's only 23. You got sent to the minors, and Mike Rizzo on the radio said that you weren't in shape and that they needed you to learn how to be a pro. They, and I'm summing up what he said, but you needed to learn how to go through the the pregame regiment again you needed to learn how to study the, the film basically preparing for games like no those are controllables man those are things that you control it's really hard to hit 98 it's really hard to succeed at the major league level you can't barrel a reliever left on left in the eighth inning i can be frustrated in game but i get how difficult that is no, it's, it's hard in this sport so if you want to go out and hit 265 with a, a 690 ops 30 points below League average, like we we can figure out what a grade should be for a twenty three year old who's doing some of those things. The, the the easy part is showing up early, watching and studying the film, having a plan, taking coaching, uh, not being at a point where they feel like you can't move as well as you need to because you're gaining weight as the season goes on. Like this is day one entry level stuff. 
So really, really discouraging in that regard. And you got to feel like next year for him is now a last chance kind of season. He'll, he'll luck out, I think, because there's no one waiting in the wings to take his gig right away. And it's not like they have a second base prospect that's going to be competing in the spring to, to take his gig. So with a good spring, if he comes out and he's in shape and he works his butt off and gets off to a fast start, you know, he's he'll only be 20 in his age 24 season. He could still be in a good spot, but it's kind of a, a put up or shut up year for him next year. Um, and, and that isn't even to speak to how he played, where I don't think he really made huge strides. He obviously didn't hit for as much power, but I will say defensively, he, he got a lot better. I'll give him credit for that. Uh, all right, on to let's go shortstop, C.J. Abrams. This one's a tough one to grade, Grant, because with C.J., he was so up and down. So I'm just going to read you his OPS numbers by month. March and April, 678. May, 707. June, 585. July, 891. August, 627. September, October, 753. It's literally like a roller coaster, up and down and up and down every other month. So we saw some real growth towards the end of the season. Really, once he got put in that leadoff spot, we started to see him obviously steal bags. Credit to him. Sets the Nationals record for most stolen bases in the season. I think that counts for something. But I don't know if I can give him an A. I think some people would get a little ahead of themselves and say, oh, it's an A. But they kind of forget some of the down spots. And I think people also forget he didn't get put in the leadoff spot, Grant, until the final series before the All-Star break. So it's not as if this has been an extended sample size. There was really the whole first half of the season that we were still questioning, like, is this guy going to be the shortstop of the future? Is this a guy that can be the leadoff hitter of the future? And then the second half of the season started to show you that he probably can be that. So I'm going to give him a B because I think you've seen enough bright spots defensively. He shows you a lot of spectacular pay plays throughout the season, but you also see some errors that you'd like to see cleaned up. You saw an increase in power, which is nice. And I think you saw some flashes at the plate of a guy that could really be a superstar leadoff hitter, but we also saw a lot of inconsistent stretches. If he works on that consistency and builds off of it, I think he can be a very good player, but I'm going to give him a B because I think the stretches that was really good were awesome to see, but there were also too many down stretches to give him an A. I'm going to go B plus again, based on my expectations. Um, I was worried about his power coming into this year. I did not think he would have this much power. And not only am I talking about the home run count for him where he hit 18 and he doubled, you know, another 30 times. I think it was, but when he hits home runs, he hits them into the second deck. You know, he hits 400 and 430 feet home runs all the time. And uh, it's he just has more power in that lanky frame than I thought he did. I thought I was kind of concerned, like slap a twenty eighty grade on him based on what I'd seen as a certainly as a big leaguer and to some extent in the minor leagues. I would have like said, ah, maybe it's forty five power, you know, forty power, something like that. I mean, he legitimately has pop. That makes me feel so much better. Uh, I was never worried about his defense, but I think it came on really well as the year went on. He was he made tremendous plays. He started making more of the routine plays. You compare April C.J. Abrams or April May Abrams to like the last two months. I think it's it's night and day. So I, I give him full marks there. He broke the franchise record for for steals. Now I know that there was a rule change that made it easier to steal, but I had no thought that he was going to steal fifty bases this year. They ended up with forty seven, and that was basically after like redshirting a couple months as a base stealer, where he just didn't do it. So uh, all that said, I'm giving him a, a solid B. Um, B plus maybe, but, uh, 
there's still more in the tank here, right? I mean, he only hit 245. He only, maybe more importantly, he only got on base at a 300 clip. Luis Garcia got on base at a, a little better clip than he did. Alex Cole got on base a little bit more often than him. Cole led the team in walks, obviously. Um, but, like, there, there's just got, Ildemaro Vargas had a slightly better on base percentage than C.J. Abrams. Like, he doesn't walk at all. So, if you're going to hit, I'm just going to say 260 next year. You know, you, you need to draw more walks. You need to find a way to get on so that on base, especially if you're a leadoff hitter. Like, I don't see him as a long-term leadoff hitter because I don't think he'll be on base enough. I kind of like him more actually as like a, you know, a two-hitter maybe with some power and speed and stuff. Um, having said that, you know, the OPS 712, uh, a little bit below league average. Like, he's only 20. This was his age 22 season. He just turned 23. And, and that's why I'm not overly discouraged. Like I viewed this as what would have been the year where he spent a month in the big leagues and spent a lot of the year in double and triple a that was in my mind, like what this year was for him. So uh, I'm going to give him a B or so. I felt good about him coming on. Candelario ended up starting the majority of the games at third. Um, obviously we don't need to discuss him. We could jump to, if you want like Jake Alou or Ildemar Vargas. I mean, let's just go rapid fire with a few of the guys that played third. So let's go Jake Alou first. Yeah, Jake Alou is interesting. I feel like he showed you he's a nice utility guy, so I don't know that you can give him high marks, but I'll give him a C. He can play around the infield. He can play a little bit in the outfield, even though I don't necessarily like when he plays in the outfield. He can. So I'll give him a C. He wasn't anything spectacular, but he gives you utility guys, and you need those sorts of dudes in your organization. Yeah, I'll go here, Laura. I'll say C-. minus. Um, I thought he would have hit a little bit more um, getting to the big leagues than get a 570 OPS. It was good to see him get his feet wet and have his first opportunity. I, I just thought he would you know, be a little bit more um, of, of a tougher out at the plate than he was. Uh, Carter Keyboom played in 27 games at about 85 at bats. He ended up hitting 207 with a 630 OPS. Obviously had a couple homers in his first few games and then cooled way off after that. Uh, the fact that he played was good, but I would give him the pro- same thing, you know, below average, maybe like a C minus, something like that. Uh, just because it's another year where you're right above 200, you know, you're well below league average production OPS. Uh, cool moment with the home run, but th- there weren't highlights after that, really. Yeah, I think it's a C minus. I mean, this is a guy that was still supposed to be one of your top prospects at some point. I think that ship has sailed now. All right, on to the outfield, Lane Thomas. I think you got to give Lane Thomas an A. Now, yes, he's kind of struggled down the stretch, but. I mean, this is a guy that hasn't had real. Uh, he's had one full year, I guess, to be uh, an everyday player. But this year, it seemed like he cemented himself. And this is a guy that was talked about being maybe even the more coveted of the guys at the trade deadline over Candelario. And we just talked about the year that Candelario was having. And if we had to give him a grade, I think both of us would have given Candelario for that first half an A. So Lane Thomas, I think, was spectacular. He showed you that arm in right field and really cemented himself as a guy that can be a part of this team for at least the near future, whether it's a fourth outfielder, if some of these guys come up and take the jobs away, or he can be your everyday right fielder, and that's not necessarily a knock. Like When we came into the season, we thought he was a fourth outfielder at best. Now we think he can be an everyday right fielder, and that's fine. So I think that's got to be an A season. It tied for the major league lead in outfield assists. If you look at the savant metrics on his arm value, 97th percentile arm strength, 96th percentile. I think he averaged like 93 plus miles an hour on throws 
from the outfield. Sprint speed, he's fast, 93, uh, 94th percentile. You know, he's got a higher percentile grade in speed than C.J. Abrams, by the way, which is pretty fascinating. Um, I, I don't really know how that works, but I'll take their word for it. Um, <laughs> pool hitter, you know, for his power, certainly. I think he ended up with just three opposite field home runs as he hit 28 bombs this year. And if you look at his spray chart, I mean, it's, it's essentially dead pool. He killed lefties. He's going to have to improve a little bit against righties if he's going to be an impact major league everyday player, like year in and year out, I think. Uh, but I'm with you. It's an A grade for him. How could it not be? Back-to-back years, organizational player of the year. Essentially didn't homer at all for like five weeks, or it was certainly a month to begin the season, and then he almost hits 30. He's the first guy to go 20-20 for the team since uh, I think it was uh, maybe Bryce did it, and he's the first guy to have 25 homers and 20 steals since Ian Desmond did it. So uh, pretty cool for Lane Thomas to have the season he just had. Breathing a little easier, I'm sure, going into the offseason about his future. Um, how about we go Joey Manessis at DH? It's such a tough grade here, Grant, because you look at just the numbers, 275 average, 321 on base. He led the team in RBIs with 89. But the number one thing that sticks out on a team that didn't have a lot of power this year, only 13 homers. Last year in 222 at-bats, 13 homers. This year in 611 at-bats, 13 homers. So maybe he just can't get that 14th homer in a year. Maybe that's just not allowed for him. But it's just something that... Kind of shocking, ex- too, honestly, because in AAA, I know it's the minor leagues, but it's a AAA, AA, like he was an upper 20s home run guy for a, a bunch of years. So yeah, that, that was the, the lack of power was stunning. Yeah, and that's why it's tough because he was still one of the better hitters in terms of run production, so you can't knock him too much because if you had to choose someone to come up to the plate with a runner in scoring position and they got to bring him home, you'd probably choose Joey Manessis as either your first or second choice, so you got to give him some credit for that. But at the same point, this was a team that was absent of power outside of really Lane Thomas, who we just talked about, gave him an A grade because we weren't expecting 28 bombs from him. You would have expected... 13 bombs from Lane Thomas would have been a good year. 28 bombs from Joey Manessis would have been what you expected and it's flipped. So I'm going to have to give him like a C minus because he was supposed to be the power in the lineup and he just wasn't that. Now, maybe it's just something where he got on a hot streak at the end of last season and that's not really who he was. But even in the World Baseball Classic, he was taking dudes deep. So hopefully it's just a down year in terms of power and he returns to that power stroke next season, but I have to grade him a little harsher because he was supposed to be the power in this lineup. So I'll go with C minus. Here's why I'm having a hard time with my grade. I did think he'd hit more home runs than he did, but I would have said he hits under, like if you said over unders at 275 for his average, I would have gone under um, 722 for his OPS. I would have gone under two. Uh, I guess I just wasn't as sold on, Cinderella story continuing, right? I kind of thought the clock was going to strike midnight. And I remember in the WBC when he was hitting the big home runs thinking, well, damn, maybe he (laughs) is really good. But like, I just kind of thought he was going to get exposed. Like as he stayed in the big leagues all year and hit probably 240, you know, with like, I don't know, 55 RBI. And I thought maybe he'd hit like 15 to 17 home runs or something. But again, this is based on our expectations and mine were fairly low for him, honestly. So he surpassed them. I thought, this was a pretty cool continuation of this story. There's no doubt they expected him to hit more home runs than he did, and they banked on him hitting for more power than he did. And for that reason, I understand your grade, but I'd go B because 
I, I just, I thought he was going to be a guy, a Jag. I, I just, I'm pretty impressed that, I mean, the guy drove in almost 90 runs. He was one of the better hitters in the league at times with runners in scoring position. I'll say the one thing too, that you can knock him for last season. He didn't play a single game at designated hitter this year. He almost exclusively played there. And when he did play in the field, he showed that <laughs> he should probably oh, stick God. to DH. Yeah. He, so he is no business. playing. <laughs> in the field. You have lost a little bit of that. So I'll ding him for that as well a little bit, but I, I mean, I think you're right on. I think this is a guy that maybe we had too high of expectations for, but I think overall he had a really good year aside from the power, but that's what he was supposed to bring to the lineup in my opinion. Uh, some of the other bats just kind of rapid fire here. I would give an A to Riley Adams, who hit 275 with an 805 OPS. Ended up getting hurt. Obviously, didn't play a lot. Mostly got opportunities, you know, often against lefties and, and raked. Uh, I, I love what he did. I would give an A to Jacob Young. Uh, everyone can laugh now about my man crush, but <laughs> I mean, the guy got to the major leagues in a year that started in Wilmington. I did not have that in the office pool, and he handled his business. Okay. I mean, it was a small sample. So you have one cold stretch, you know, your numbers fall off. He ended up hitting about two fifty with a six sixty ops, but the guy stole 13 bags on 13 tries. He, he played in about 30 games and, you know, he, he drove in 12 runs and, and hit, uh, stole 13 bases and had a game winning hit. Like I, I liked what I saw from him. Um, I don't know if there's anything else notable that I would point out. Like it was cool that Millis got to the majors, you have a bunch of guys that came and went like Jeter Downs and Blake Rutherford and Travis Blankenhorn and Derek Hill. Um, I mean, Victor Robles, it was, you know, it was all going really well. I actually would have given him a pretty solid grade. He was hitting about 300, remember, with a 750 OPS, and then we, we never saw him again. Um, I, Corey I Dickerson think... would be a really low grade, but anybody else we need to talk about? Yeah, I think the one guy, and we forget about him because he got hurt, but Stone Garrett deserves to be talked about. I mean, Good Jamer point. Candelario in 99 games had an 823 OPS, and we talk about him as if he was like the greatest third baseman ever because he was that good compared to everyone else. Stone Garrett finished the year with an 801 OPS, and he was starting to get everyday at-bats against righties and lefties. All season long, he raked against lefties. He finally started to get at-bats against righties, and he hit well, and he looked like he might emerge as someone that could stick around. So it's a shame that he got hurt. Hurt, but I think he deserves recognition because I think when we saw that Stone Garrett was going to get basically platoon time with Corey Dickerson in left field, we said, okay, that's two dudes that are not going to be part of the future of this baseball club. And yet it looks like Stone Garrett, when he comes back from injury, assuming he can get back to some sort of level of play that he was playing with at the time of the injury, it looks like he could be a guy that could stick around for a while as well. So I think you got to give him some credit. I don't know that we need to give him a letter grade because he only ended up playing 89 games, but I think he played really well and deserves some recognition. Yeah, he was rolling at the time of that injury, unfortunately for him. It all kind of came crashing down. Uh, but you mentioned the splits, right? I mean, you know, like you said, I mean, against right-handed pitching, he was handling his business. He had a, a 280 average and a 760 OPS. His ops against lefties was 840, and he was slugging over 500. Um, no, no wonder this team did so well against lefties for much of this year. I mean, they got some dudes that just demolish left-handed pitching, but, uh, fingers crossed his recovery is going well. Uh, obviously a great dude. Everybody, uh, remembers how emotional it was when he got hurt. Dang, zoom. All right. As we continue to give out report cards, let's go to the pitching side of things. Let's go, uh, in order of, uh, innings pitched. How about it? We'll start then with the workhorse who regrettably, I mean, the guy is, Takes the ball every single five days. The problem is that's not always a good thing. Uh, Patrick Corbin, who pitched 
to a 5-2-0 ERA. The FIP was about identical to the ERA this year. Uh, for him, shockingly enough, despite an ERA of 5-2, it was his best season since 2019. I mean, even the 2020 year, I guess, if you count the 11 starts, but he was better than he was either of the last two years, and it, I don't even think it was particularly close. Yeah, I, I don't know what you want to give the grade on Patrick Corbin because the expectations were not high coming off a season where he had a 631 ERA, and he came in and he finished the year with a 520 ERA. I think he does his role well. His role is to go out there and eat up the innings because the young guys can't go seven innings. He goes out there, he ends up pitching 180 innings, which is the second most in his time with the Nationals. So credit to him for eating innings. I don't want to give him a high grade because he didn't yeah. play well. Like so, Yeah, maybe this is where the letter grade thing we're trying to do goes off the rails, Tobe, uh, and we don't need to give him one. But if you're comparing his season to the expectations coming in, it's about what I expected, I guess. He always posted. His ERA was in the mid-fives. There were games where he'd given up three runs before you sit down in your seat in the first inning. <laughs> it seems like every time he pitches, the first two guys are in scoring position, you know, nine pitches into the game. But generally, his, his starts go very quickly. He gets into these roles where all of a sudden he's still out there in the sixth inning, and somehow the other team's only scored five runs after scoring three before he got the first out. Like if you've seen one of his starts, you've kind of seen them all. Well, uh, how about Josiah Gray? Real quick on on Patrick yeah. Corbin. The only reason that he's better than last year is there were times when we were having the discussion: Is he back? We had that like three times at points in the season where he'd have two starts that weren't horrible back to back, and we'd be like, "Oh, maybe Corbin has found something." And then you know he'd have an atrocious start and he'd be right back to it. So you know, uh, overall, still not a great season. But if we were doing a grade, I would give him a D. On to Josiah Gray, he's another interesting one. I feel like the results on the field would say that you should give him pretty high marks. You know, he's a guy that gave up the most homers in baseball, really struggled. It looked like a guy that you could get really down on if you wanted to as a Nationals fan looking at the future of this franchise because he was supposed to be one of those guys going into this season. And so you could have been a little bit disappointed. And then he walked in and he was an all-star. And so... That was awesome to see in the first half, and he battled, and then he had that really rough stretch coming out of the All-Star break and really up until his last couple starts of the year. So it's kind of up and down, but then at the same point, you look at the peripherals, and a lot of it's the same as what we've seen throughout his career. So I'll give him like a B- minus because the on-field results ultimately are what matters, and so that's awesome to see, but we also saw that regression. We saw from the first half to the second half the difference in the pitcher when some of the stuff started to catch up to him. You can't walk guys like that all the time and escape jams like you did in the first half. So there's lots of stuff to work with, but it's a credit to him. He battles every single timeout. I know he's one of your guys because every single timeout, you know you're getting a bulldog on the mound. He's going to do his best out there. And so I'll give him a B- minus because I would have liked to have seen a little bit more, but at the same point, he was an all-star this year. Yeah, he's my favorite guy on the team, I think, at this point. I'm giving him a C, actually, believe it or not. And that's because first semester, I gave him an A. Second semester, I gave him a D, basically. <laughs> Average together, it's a C. I mean, it was an ugly stretch there in the second half. I thought in the first half, he was playing with fire, and he, for the most part, avoided getting burned, and it just didn't continue that way. Um, if you look at, you know, again, the ERA is 3-9. So if you just want to judge it off that, that's a pretty impressive season. That's a full run below his fielding independent pitching, though. Uh, I will say 2021, his FIP was 6. 2022, his FIP was 5-8. This year, 4-9. So, like, there, there is obvious progress. 
where I'm a little disappointed overall is hits per nine. Uh, he's gone from, in his time in Washington specifically, 8, 8.2, 8.6 this year. So this was the most hittable he's been. Home runs is where he put hay in the barn. Uh, he had given up 2.2, 2.3 per nine. Um, now this year, 1.2, which is a massive leap. That's why his ERA came down massively. But his walks up from 4.0 to 4.0 to 4.5. His strikeouts per nine down from 9.0, 9.3 to 8.1. So K's are down, walks are up, hits are up a little bit. Like I, I just, I wanted it is that first half that you saw was what I was looking for for kind of the circuit to circuit year. I love how he finished. It gives me some hope going into the off season that uh, he's going to make another jump next year. But um, I, I thought that there was a second half regression that ends up with me looking at some of the numbers, especially the walks like that really chaps my butt a little bit. Like you, you can't be walking that many guys, you know, you, you got to get ahead. You got to pitch from a uh, pitcher count. And, and that was frustrating. So uh, awesome to see him become an all-star really happy for him. Proud of him, all those things, but I'm going to give him a C it was, and it ended up, you know, not exceeding my expectations and maybe even by a hair, over the course of 162, you know, being a little worse than my expectations for him this year. Um, how about, uh, well, let's go Mackenzie Gore next, and we'll, we'll come back to Trevor Williams because people are more interested in hearing about Gore. Yeah, Gore is another interesting one, like we were saying, because, you know, your guy is Josiah Gray. My guy is Mackenzie Gore. And, you know, you see the stuff. The stuff is nasty, and you just think back to the start against the Royals. You think about his first start against Atlanta, and he's making guys look silly. You know, it's just he's got the stuff, but you felt like you'd see growth, and I just don't know if I saw growth throughout the season. You know, this is something where I felt like the more comfortable he got. Maybe he just needed a little bit of time, and so I thought, all right, coming out of the All-Star break, he'll be a different guy, and he just he wasn't. You know, there were some starts that he was spectacular, and you really saw it, and then there were some starts where he's just walking guys all over the place and he couldn't seem to find the strike zone and or something went wrong and he's making a mental mistake and he's not covering first base or he's you know frustrated because a guy didn't make a play and you know it unravels so I think there's some growth to have here for Mackenzie Gore so the expectations I think were fairly high for a guy that was once the top pitching prospect in all of baseball so I'm gonna have to give him a C I mean a 442 ERA for a guy that was once the top pitching prospect in all of baseball, you want to see better. At the same point, you saw flashes throughout the season where you're like, this guy can be an ace or at least a number two starter in this league, but he's got to grow. He can't walk guys. He's got the stuff. He's got to trust it. He can't get so frustrated on the mound. He's got to find ways to channel that emotion into striking out hitters as opposed to missing his responsibilities on the baseball field. So I think there were some good things, but there are a lot of bad things as well. But I think compared to expectations, he was kind of what you'd expect for a 24-year-old pitcher in his second year of the majors. Yeah, no, make no mistake about it. Mackenzie Gore is their their best stuff pitcher. Oh, yeah. He's their highest upside guy. He's the ace. If if this is all the pitchers they have going into next year, like he's the opening day starter for me, assuming he has a good spring. But like he is the, he's the stuff guy. He's the best of the bunch. He's got the highest ceiling. Um, but that doesn't get you anything. You got to go out and perform. Yeah. And um, if you look at it, his ERA was about the same year over year. In fact, his fielding independent pitching was up pretty considerably from the 13 starts, 16 games we saw last year. Uh, but, you know, the whip 
was almost identical. Hits were up a hair. Home run rate was up. Walk rate was down. Strikeouts were up. And this is where I'm encouraged. From the beginning of the year to the end of the year, he, he walked fewer guys. I thought that was awesome. What he really needs to figure out is how to avoid, as he said on this show a couple of months back, you know, some of those touchdowns that he gives up. That's what he called it. You know, those six, seven run games where you, you go back through his game log and it's it's three and a third, seven Ernie's. And, you know, I think if you know, I remember the Phillies game most recently it was like five innings, seven hit six runs earned. You take out like three of those starts and it's pretty good numbers for him. But you don't get to just do that. Right. I mean, it, it, those are there. So. Uh, I'm with you on, you know, being a little disappointed because I remember like being in April with you at his first couple of starts. And like every time he threw, you thought he could go out and throw six or seven really good innings. Like that's the stuff he has. And that was the expectation. Like you can't miss a McKenzie Gore start because this could be six scoreless, nine strikeouts. That was just not the pitcher he developed into over the course of the season. He was more of like a, a five and dive type guy. And this is all part of the process and the growth. And I'm not down on him at all. It sounds like I am. I'm not. I promise. 24 years old. He's going to be a maybe a number two. Like he really has a chance to be a stud. Um, but we're just grading him on this season. And this season, I was slightly disappointed. Also, the second time in as many years where he hasn't been able to pitch at the end of the season for the Nationals. This was more quirky. I, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, wasn't it just the blisters that cost him the end of yeah, his season? And, and I don't love the fact that he was on with you guys, Grant and Danny, and he basically said that it's something he continues to deal with. And I don't know how you fix that, but he missed a couple of starts with the blister issue. So it's a little bit concerning for me. I, I, I don't want to feel too bad about it because it's better than other injuries you could possibly have. But at the same point, if it forces you to miss a start, yeah. even if it seems minor, like it still forces you to miss time. Trevor Williams made 30 starts uh, tied with Josiah Gray for third on the team, 144 innings. By the way, this is indicative. Him and Josiah Gray made the same number of starts and Gray pitched 15 more innings. So take that <laughs> for what it's worth. Um, look, we don't have to spend a lot of time on Trevor Williams. Uh, for the record, every interaction I've had with him has been awesome. Seems like a super nice guy. Um, his ERA was five and a half. His FIP was six. You know, he probably ends up being a multi-inning guy out of the pen if he's still on the roster next year. Obviously, signed a multi-year deal. This is why they brought him here, though. Not to necessarily pitch to a ERA about six, but you know they, they brought him here to give him 150 innings. To, to every time we need you to, go out there and give us five innings. And he did that. Um, he's, you know, this is where they're at as a program. So to grade him is difficult, but I would say I thought he would be a veteran that would eat innings. That's what he was. I would have guessed that he pitched better than a, a six FIP. Uh, so I guess I'll give him a below a C, but uh, he he gave you kind of exactly what you expected when he walked through the door. Yeah, I would expect him to be a little bit better because in his with time that. with the Mets, he was about a three and a half ERA, but he wasn't great. But I'll give him um, a C minus strictly because Little League Classic, one of the few times that they they were nationally televised when he went six scoreless. So <laughs> I'll give him some marks for that. So credit, to, credit to Trevor Williams, like a four, seven, five or something like that. You know, maybe like a half run better than he was. So maybe I should get him into the D range. I don't know. But again, I, I this is all based on expectations. Like if you ask me about any, a lot of these guys and, and we're grading them as diamondbacks fans or first division club fans, you know, someone who, who roots for, the, the Orioles now or something yeah. like 
yeah, these a lot of F's and D's, but that, that's not what we're doing. Like they signed Trevor Williams because they didn't want to spend money and go get a starter that other teams were seeking. And so he was the fifth type guy that they brought in to eat innings. Uh, how about Jake Irvin? You got to give him at least a B, in my opinion, because this is a guy. He, I, I just remember when we had a pod when he first got called up and we basically said, all right, he'll make a couple spot starts and he'll end up in the bullpen because he was really a two pitch pitcher. And he ends up sticking in the rotation and making 24 starts and never pitched out of the pen. He was their fifth starter for basically once he got called up, he was their fifth starter, but ended up being their fifth starter for a majority of the season, pitching 121 innings. And he's nothing crazy special. Like I think he's at best a fourth starter, fifth starter. It's not like he's someone that's going to be challenging Mackenzie Gore or Josiah Gray for top of the rotation type stuff. But at the same point, these are the guys that I mentioned with Rizzo that's you didn't expect a whole lot and he comes up and he ends up being a guy that sticks in the rotation. So you've got to give him credit for that. And he's going to grow off of it. It's, it's a four sixty one ERA. So it's not like he's the best pitcher on your staff. He's an older guy, but at the same point, there were not really any expectations. He went out there and gave you 121 innings as a starter that you didn't expect really anything close to that. So I'll give him a B. And the only reason it's not an A is, you know, his ERA is four, six instead of maybe a four, two. Good. I, I like all that. It's a, it's a good argument. Uh, by the way, he, like durable. I mean, what else do you want? Like they only had seven guys start games for them this year. That's crazy to think yeah. about. And Chad Cool, remember, was in the rotation at the very beginning of the season before they DFA'd him. So they replaced him with Irvin. So it was like that was the five guys. It was uh, Corbin, Gray, Williams, Gore, and Irvin. And otherwise, Adone and, and Rutledge in the last month. Those were the only guys that started games. Like that's pretty stunning to think about the, the durability and the health. Knock on wood that you know they were able to get through the season with them, and that's really, really a, a big deal. Um, speaking of which, you know, Adone, the fact that he got back to the big leagues was a good sign. He what didn't throw particularly well in AAA for the most part, and ended up with an ERA of six and a half. But he's a guy that was unlucky. His FIP was actually closer to five. Um, you know, he, to me, he's a he's a depth guy moving forward. I would yep. say. I, I had no expectations of him pitching or pitching well in a playoff game, shoving in Fredericksburg and then to be in double a for an extended period in triple a, and then get to the big leagues and out of his four starts throw pretty well twice. Like I feel much better about Rutledge than I did 365 days ago. So for that reason, I'm going to give him a B plus. Yeah, I think that's a good call on Jackson Rutledge because his first start, not great. And then you saw some of that growth and, you know, facing a team for the second time struggled a little bit. But yeah, I mean, this is a guy that we didn't kind of know where he was at the beginning of the year. He weren't necessarily feeling the greatest. And then he started pitching really well, having one of his best years in the minor leagues and finally got up to the majors. And so he looks like a guy that could challenge Irvin or whoever else is going to be fighting for those last couple rotation spots coming into spring training. So yeah, I'll give him a B plus. Uh, as far as the bullpen goes, and again, we're giving out grades I, to real quick bullpen yeah. as a whole F. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I would agree with that. Care to elaborate or do you want to dive name by name here? I mean, we could go through the names. Kyle Finnegan, I think, gets a higher mark. I think Hunter Harvey deserves a higher mark. Carl I'm giving Hunter Jr. Harvey an A, by the way. I think Finnegan probably for me gets like a B plus. He was not as good as his numbers. Um, his FIP was four, six, his ERA was three, seven, 69 innings, 63 Ks. Like I want more swings and misses 8.2 per nine. 
back of the bullpen. But there was a major stretch where like he was their the, the one oh, guy yeah. that they could count on. So like I gave him a B plus. Like Hunter Harvey had an ERA plus of one fifty three. I mean the dude was pretty damn good at times this season. Um, I would give him an A. I liked what I got out of Weems. Um, yep. I, I'm not giving him an A by any means, but I would give him maybe a B minus. Like if you what, what I thought of Jordan Weems on opening day this year to what I think about him now is he could pitch you know, an inning at a time in the middle innings as a non-closing reliever, maybe uh, going into the next season. And I wouldn't feel that bad about it. But to your point overall, from Mason Thompson to Andres Machado to, uh, oh, there's a long list, Thaddeus Ward and uh, Joe LaSorsa and Erasmo Ramirez and Corey Abbott and Amos Willingham and uh, Chad Look. Cool and Hobie Harris and all these guys that just got rocked. Never forget the Anthony Bonda experience. Like it was a pretty gross year in the bullpen. So I don't want to single out anyone because I think as a whole, it was a bad year and I'm not trying to just, you know, knock on this one guy, but you know, cause there were guys that had worse years than him, but what happened to Mason Thompson? He was arguably their best reliever through the first month. And then it just fell off. What happened? And that's why to me, Finnegan had a, a fine year. Cool. Harvey, like you said, had a good year. I think there are some other guys that you found in decent spots. Like I thought, you know, Ferrer at times was decent. And, you know, even like you said with Weems, but the thing that's concerning for me is like, there were a couple of guys that you're like, okay, maybe they can stick around. You know, ultimately we talked about this. We're looking at the young guys, guys that can help out this team down the road. And Harvey maybe can be that guy in Finnegan, but Mason Thompson's 25. And he just didn't give you much at all. And he became someone that every time he stepped on the mounds, I just lost confidence that the team was going to hold the lead they had or the lead that they were trailing behind. It was going to balloon even farther away to become a blowout. So I, it's just concerning for me because there's hardly anyone that you could trust in that bullpen. And that's part of why, you know, I gave Davey a little bit of a pass because I mean, who was he supposed to turn to for a majority of the year? Carl Edwards ended up not playing as much as you would have expected. He was someone you could depend on early. It was Harvey. It was Finnegan. But outside of those three guys, maybe at times it was Weems. Maybe at times in the beginning it was Thompson. Maybe it was some other guys. But it just the bullpen as a whole, you felt like you had no chance. At certain points, they got things going and you won some games. But for a majority of the season, it was like, well, if you're not up by five, you're not winning this baseball game. Yeah, that happened way too often. Gold medal for me goes to Harvey. Silver medal, I'll say, goes to Finnegan. And then bronze, I guess I would give to Jordan Weems. How would you give out medals to the bullpen? Yeah, I think that's about right. I might. Harvey overall was really good, but I think Finnegan for a stretch of basically from his fourth appearance up until September was spectacular. And so, you know, September, everyone hit the wall on the baseball team, it seemed like. So it's almost like the season ended a month ago and they just kept on grinding and some of the results ended up skewed because of it. So I almost feel like Finnegan deserves a little bit more credit because Harvey missed some time, but Harvey probably was the better pitcher overall. But Finnegan for that stretch had an ERA in the ones. And I thought he was one of the better closers in baseball at that point. Not that I would trust him as your guy going forward, but he was really good, so I think I might flip it just because of the fact that he pitched a little bit more. Give me Finnegan with the gold, Harvey Silver, and then Weems probably be in the bronze. All right, next time on Bust and Lose Baseball, early next week, we're going to do this similar thing, I would say, um, maybe even more thorough, because we're going to go through 
the top prospect list one by one and just break down each guy's season. I think it'll be really instructive for those of you guys that really are into their prospects and their system. So I'm looking forward to uh, that episode already starting my prep to, to do that. And I think it'll be exciting uh, in that episode. We'll also talk about the big Dijon uh, Watson news as he is not going to be back as their director player development. There's more news about some of the different uh, folks who are instructors at the minor league level that aren't returning today as well. So we'll get to all of that when we dive into the minor league system on the next pod here on Bustin' Loose Baseball. Remember to get your comments and your questions in. We also read all of your comments and give you a shout-out. But if you've got a question, you can drop it for us uh, on the uh, comment section, and we'll answer those coming up on episode number 90 in our next installment. Thanks for listening to Bustin' Loose Baseball.